0: Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan, and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight we had our first ever Amaro Society over at the Bar Claxon here in downtown L.A. We did a food pairing provided by the Estretto Sandwich Shop, which is located in the front of Bar Claxon. Wonderful stuff going on over there. If you've never been to Bar Claxon, if you've never been to Estrado Sandwich Shop, if you've never been to the Slipper Clutch, it makes me think that. Something's wrong that you need more fun in your life. So check out all three of those venues. Luckily, they're all located in the same building down there on 2nd and Main in downtown Los Angeles. At any rate, we had the one and only Colin Miller, an Amaro aficionado in the house. It was Valentine's Day. It was a bunch of couples getting funky with some beautiful aromatic fortified wines. We tried the Averna Amaro, the Chinar Amaro, artichokes? Really? Yes. The Bròlio Amaro and Campari Amaro, of course, one of the most famous of the bitter aperitifs in the world. Uh, Colin brought in this cool map of Italy where he kept letting us know from which region of Italy all these different Amaros were coming from. And it helped kind of get us a better idea of the different uh, terroir in each of those places that And the local botanicals that go into making each of those flavor profiles unique in those Amaros. So check it out. Remember, tell your friends about the Spirit Guide Society podcast. It's a fun place to learn more about the spirits you love. Tell your friends and remember to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't get wasted on Amaro and puke on the carpet and blame me. It's not me making you drink it, okay? I'm just trying to add a little joy to your life. Jeez. You
1: know, I feel like anyone who bartends in these days, like, you kind of, you, you, start, you start with whiskey or you start with vodka, or you start with rum, and you work your way through the canon of different spirits. And I feel like all of us as bartenders kind of end up at Amaro's and Imperativos for some reason. We I think it's the bitter it's the bitter flavor the complex like herbal nature of a lot of these things the interesting backstories also the fact that they're really great modifiers in cocktails you can make a lot of different you know a lot of the a lot of the classic cocktails you love like the Manhattan or the Negroni our personal favorite from Campari uh, we are you know they are these are cocktails that are based uh, that are based on amaros and also they're nice and low ABV you can session you can have a few of them and you're not too drunk behind the bar. When you have to serve people, if you want to rip a little shot of Amaro, uh, instead of drinking high proof whiskey. But so we're here to taste and learn and talk about Amaro's. So we need to go back to what, like, cause you know, I can say the word Amaro over and over again, probably half of you are like, what the fuck does this mean? Uh, Amaro as an Italian word for bitter. So, you know, just like whiskey is an overarching category of spirits, that means lots of different things that are distilled. You know, down. amaros are at the heart just bitter liqueurs. They're, they're something. They're liqueurs that are that have a bittering agent added to them. They come in different colors. They come in different proofs. Uh, there's fernet's, which are very high, which you probably have fernet branca and things like that. They're very high proof, very dark. Very, very, very bitter. There's stuff like Aperol, which is one of our big flagship brands for Campari, which is 11% ABV, it's less than most glasses of wine, uh, and it's bright orange. Uh, there's stuff like Suze from France, that's a gentian, uh, gentian bitter, that's uh, kind of a pale yellow color. Chartreuse is, is another herbal liqueur that you probably had at, at certain times. So all of these things, it's, like, it's hard to define what these are, uh, what the word Amaro, like what an Amaro is, because it's so nebulous. We're gonna stick, today we're gonna stick to Amaro's and a little subcategory of Amaro's called the Peritivos from Italy. Uh, part it, we're gonna sh- show you four of these great uh, expressions of the Campari portfolio here. Amaro Averna, Shinar, Amaro Braglio, and our flagship product here, Campari, that makes this all possible.
0: The first one, Averna. Now, this is a traditional style um, amaro uh, made of herbs and spices. And the idea was that they were, you know, making kind of local tinctures or they would be considered therapeutic. Uh, often this one in particular was made by Benedictine monks. Yes. And it was made for its therapeutic quality. So I, th-
1: I think that's actually a good point to like kind of bring it back actually and say like most of the stuff, right, when we talk about bitters, Pretty much all of the the whole tradition of making amaros comes out of uh, um, comes out of the idea of tonics and herbal remedies. You know we didn't have in, in the 15, 1600s you didn't have like pharmacies to go buy aspirin at. Because most most alcohol up until the modern era was used for medicinal purposes. Uh, and especially these kind of things. So that's why you find like a tradition all over Europe of these different bitter liqueurs, Jägermeister. It's probably one you've seen if you've ever you know slammed the shot of Jaeger you've had it tomorrow before it's a bit different tasting than some of these it's a bit sweeter but it's still a bitter liqueur uh, It's still a bitter liqueur that with that has caramel color and sugarine added back into it It looks a lot like you know the, the some of the things that we have here so it's all of these all of these things come from like a medicinal uh, a medicinal history and that's where you get these different uh, botanicals and things like that that were added into it as bittering agents. So we're gonna pass this around now because we have a bunch of people and before, so I'll I'll, I'll maybe throw some of these words out, some of these uh, different bittering agents out, if you don't, you know, and you can take time to smell them. This is a little sensory kit of different dried, uh, different dried herbs and peels and things like that and roots that you are very common in pretty much all Amaros. You'll find these things in pretty much in different quantities in all of these different, uh, in all of these different Amaros. The thing about Amaro that's different than say a whiskey though, or rum, we don't distill liquor. We don't distill these things to make them. These are basically, uh, because we're making like macerations or, um, tinctures and whatnot of like different herbs and peels and roots and stuff. It's not like put corn, you know, mash into a still, cook it and then distill that down like in whiskey. It's more of like you take a neutral grain spirit and you infuse these things in different quantities and weights into it. And then you water it down to the ABV you want and then add. uh, So for like Campari or Aperol, you add like an orange coloring or a red coloring. For these guys, the dark color comes from uh, a burnt caramel like coloring. Uh, added back like a burnt basically burnt sugar added back in most of the since we're in europe where we produce all all these are produced in italy pretty much the base for all of these is going to be like a neutral grain spirit that's made from beets because beets yeah beet sugar beet sugar is really really cheap to use it's it's easy to make into alcohol so think of these as more of like an infusion like when you're you know if you if you have herbs or something at home and you're you know, and you and you want to infuse it in uh, like and make essential oils, things like that. That's that's closer to the process than of making an amaro or an aperitivo than distillation, like you'd see if you go to like a rum distillery or a whiskey distillery. So we got artichoke leaf here, which may not be artichokes may not jump out at everyone as like something that's a bittering agent, but the leaves are actually used to give like a vegetal note to them. Uh, chinar is actually the most famous uh, artichoke amaro around the, the leaves are big uh, there's, an artichoke right on the label. So it's actually produced in like a big, uh, it, it's, it was originally produced in a big artichoke growing region. Um, she, the, the word chinar comes from the Latin word for artichoke. So these are really cool to sniff. Chenara, solaris, yes yeah, solaris. Sol, sol, I don't know. Sco- I didn't take that. Scolimus
0: scolimus. It's so Chinara scolimus
1: in the front. We have the dried stuff. And then in the back, we actually have a tincture of, uh, the, of the artichoke and other things that you'll be tasting. So if the best way to use the tincture thing, just put a drop on your hand, go like this, and then take a sniff and you'll get a really powerful, uh, you'll get a very, very powerful blast of the, of the, of the pure essence of this. So I'll start this over here. Uh, we have also, we have chinchinona bark, which is a big, big, uh, component a lot of Amaro's. It's also the basis for quinine, which is the basis for tonic water. This is the the reason that tonic water tastes bitter. If you eat too much of this bark, it's really toxic, which is also why I tell people don't make your own tonic syrup and water at home because this can fuck up really fast. Uh, Bitter orange peel. If we didn't have bitter orange peel, we wouldn't have Campari. Uh, Gentian root. Gentian is probably the most prevalent uh, a bittering agent in all amaros and aperitivos. It is uh, like a weed that grows everywhere in the, in Europe, in higher elevations. Uh, and they use the root to, it's, it's, it's a very, very bitter, uh, tasting root. So suze is like a French aperitif. That's actually like pretty much all gentian flavor. If you want to, you know, if you want to try something that's very heavy on the gentian, uh, rhubarb root, a uh, big, uh, component in Averna here, uh, also in Zuka amaro and some other uh, amaros, they call them rhubarberos, which just means like rhubarb amaros. And then wormwood. Has anyone heard of wormwood before? You know, there you go, absinthe. So wormwood's very, very bitter. Uh, big component in absinthe. L- probably a little less prevalent in in amaros. Uh, it, you'll find a lot of it in stuff like fernet or the or the things that are higher on the bitter, bitterness scale. So we're gonna pass this around want we'll to start over here. Yep. No, yeah, you can
0: drop some on your, on your yeah, skin, you can smell, just to smell it. Smell stuff. Yeah, they're magnetic. They're mag- yeah. It's a little this, tricky. There you
1: go. When we talk about stuff like bourbon, people get really caught up in like the mash bill of like how much corn to rye and all this kind of stuff. And the one thing people always ask is like, what's the recipe for Campari? What's the recipe for that? None, none of us know. Like it's literally, there's like three people in the entire comp. There's like the count who owns Campari and like two other people know the exact recipes. Uh, these so it's they're they're just not they're, it's not as important because like I was saying it's not a it's not a distillation and aging kind of thing like when you have whiskey or rum that makes it special it's the blend of the different uh, the different like peels and herbs and all this stuff so
0: sure so Averna was started by Salvatore Averna in the 1880s 1868 1868 isn't? and he got his family was a a family in Italy that made drapes in Sicily. Uh, Calva, I can't remember the name of the town, it's a very long Italian that's name. Right
1: here. Caltanissetta, it's in the center of Sicily here. It's a beautiful town. There's a, It's still made at the same Benedictine Abbey that's uh, that's standing today in this town. A lot of citrus grown near there. Uh, Averna is sort of the one thing, the big tasting note you get from Averna. I, it looks like a very dark, bitter Amaro, but it's actually very mild.
0: and And that's why we're starting the flight. That's why
1: we're starting it. Yeah, so it's actually the way we're starting this whole thing. We're gonna go from the least bitter, Averna, through Chinar, through Barlio, to Campari, the most bitter thing, so we don't blow your palate out on the first first taste. So, Averna is the first taste on
0: the left. And Salvatore, Averna, that family, they were, uh, you know, active in the community. Uh, he, he was the justice of the peace. He was also a benefactor to the Abbey there, the Abbey of the Holy Spirit, which is yeah. the Benedictine monks. And thanks, in 1859, they gave him the recipe for this Amaro. And he started making it at home for his guests and then later developed it into a business. It took like 20 years.
1: Campari, Aperol, Chinar, and, and a lot of our other European brands that we sell in Europe, Cinzano, other things like that, are all made at the big Campari plant there. Uh, Braulio is still made in Bormio, up in the in the in the Alpine region in the northern Alps, and then Averna is still made in Sicily. So everything else that comes out of Italy for the from our portfolio is made at the big like Campari uh, Campari sort of like megaplex in Milan. But this this stuff is, is still made uh, right by the abbey in Sicily and. That's a uh, that's
0: a really yeah it's a really beautiful part of the world. So stick your nose in that glass. What do you experience as you smell this tomorrow? There's a lot going on here. It's not like just smelling wine or beers. It's a lot more complex. So take your time. Think about what food words you might be reminded of. I'm getting kind of a melony kind yep. of smell to me, like a honeydew melon maybe, and citrus, orange, you know.
1: Yeah, citrus is huge for what? me. I get brown sugar. Yeah.
0: Brown sugar. Okay.
1: Well, that's definitely you're gonna get that
0: molasses. It's a little. All right.
1: It's a little. This is actually, and also the cool thing is our least bitter amaro, but it's also our highest ABV amaro. So this is 29% alcohol, but it it drinks like something that's a much lower ABV drink. Yeah, and it's great. It's actually a really great vermouth substitute for home. Bla- the black Manhattan is really like a new classic kind of cocktail where you just sub out the sweet vermouth for uh, for verna. It works really well. I actually just had a hot toddy the other day with it, with like a with like a spiced simple syrup and and citrus, and it can hold that just because of the proof, it can hold up a little a little bit more in cocktail. But it's not going to blow your face off with uh, with uh, with sort of those super bitter menthol-y flavors that you get in some of the higher ABV Frenets or mm-hmm. other other kinds of amaros. Uh, the big thing down, the, the big tasting note, I'd say for me, aside from citrus, is pomegranate. There's a lot of white pomegranate because they, they use white pomegranate skins instead of using like orange peels to make things bitter. They use pomegranate skins and also like a rosemary kind of like herby. So it doesn't have that, it doesn't have that sharp bitterness to it, but it's a nice sort of like herbal, vegetal uh, bitterness with, a, with like a smooth finish. Yeah.
0: And if I was going to have this for my home bar, um, would I need to refrigerate this after no. I opened it because it's lower proof? So here's one thing we forgot
1: to talk about or I forgot to talk about at the beginning is uh, just the difference between like vermouths and aromatized wine uh, and Amaros. Now, there are wine-based Amaros like uh, Capoletti is a famous one that's like an aperitivo that uses a wine base. So eventually that will degrade and go bad these are all spirit based. We have, these are all like a neutral grain spirit. So you can have these, I mean, they will oxidize a bit over time cause they're not super high ABV, especially like the, uh, especially Chinar over time. If you had it, like I've had some Chinar from the seventies that wasn't stored very well and it's just not very good. But you know, they, these things, but it's interesting because they're, because they're not, because they're not super high alcohol, a lot of the uh, a lot of the organic uh, matter and flavors and stuff in them start to keep combining in the bottle over time so you actually open a bottle of verna or a bottle of chinar in four or five years and you'll get slightly different tastes out of it uh but yeah you can you can store these these they're shelf stable vermouth uh it, you know good vermouth two weeks out of, and after you open the bottle and dump it that's why home bar trick always buy the three seven fives of vermouth if you can find them, because unless you're making like a hundred Manhattans a night, you're not going to use like a seven fifty of vermouth and eventually, and it oxidizes just like wine in your freezer or in your free, wine, wine in your collection. If you open a bottle of wine, you're not going to leave and you leave it out on the counter for five days. It's not going to be drinkable. So yeah, vermouths, always keep them in the fridge. Uh, most wine-based Amaros, though, like a Capiletti or something, are good for like a couple years just because they have a little more, but they are less stable than something like these guys
0: here. All right. So the second spirit is the Chinar. Now, this obviously has a large part of the herbs and spices, and this is the, the artichoke itself. But see if yeah. you can stick your nose in that glass, and can you get any artichoke? Do you do you get any sense of that? What else is happening besides that artichoke. Say again? Yeah. Orange, orange definitely yeah, coming through. Yeah. And, to and so Tina, so the
1: stuff you're tasting right now, we actually have a 70 proof version, but this is 16 and a half percent ABV. So this is a very low ABV, uh, bottling, you know, compared this, this is, here's our other handy chart here has, uh, <laughs> this is a really neat thing to check out because the apparent, like in Italy, Aperitivo time is just me. Aperitivos are things like Campari or Apérol that are the lighter, brighter colored uh, amaros. But they're also like a time and place of drinking. So you would do this kind of stuff, like eat some meat and cheese at a bar, buy an Apérol spritz or buy a Campari soda, and you drink it. You drink those during the day. Chinar, you can also drink during the day. It's a it's great as a long drink with soda. It's a great vermouth replacement again, because it's actually closer in proof to like most sweet vermouths. Um, I think it's one of the, uh, it's an interesting, like being behind the bar for a while, you see the, like the trends and what we're all drinking. It was like fernet was really, really hot for a while. And every bartender was just like fernet, fernet, fernet. but fernet's like 80%, you know, at 40, 40% ABV. Uh, eventually you take enough shots of that and it's, you know, it can, you get, you get drunk and you get, it, it's a lot if you're, if you're maybe working a whole shift, but Chinar, you can take a little nip of Chinar, it's a nice, like digestif, like after dinner, it's even good before dinner. Like, cause aperitivo, the word aperitivo just means to open. So generally the Italians think of like these, uh, brighter colored amaros or aperitivos as something you do before dinner. To like stimulate your appetite, to open up your palate, and you know, chinar kind of goes both. Like you can drink chinar after a meal with coffee, or you can have it as like a before meal drink. You can have it at one in the afternoon while you're having lunch. So it's a really
0: versatile amaro. Beautiful. So tap some of that, some of that chinar over your tongue Sorry. there. Tell me what it, how reach, that but I'm gonna experience is different from the first ear. one. I'm getting the gentian. That ingredient in the tonic, I can get that. I think I can taste that on this one.
1: Yeah. So also a note about artichokes. It's the leaves. So it's not like people people go in there like, I don't smell the artichoke. I don't smell the artichoke. It doesn't smell like a delicious artichoke, you know. Uh, it's the leaves. It's more of a vegetal kind of note at the end of it. Wow. To me, it's got a lot longer sort of bitter finish than the Averna does. Averna to me has like a sweet a sweet finish that, that's quick. This is like, this like starts really sweet and then it hits your mid-palate and then the like, the bitterness is kind of there at the end and maybe more pronounced than you think it it would be. Originally, I mean now it's made in our facility in Milan, but originally when it was made in the 50s, like they uh, the, the the inventor is from like a very artichoke-heavy growing region right outside of Venice. So I think it's, you know, you kind of, with a lot of these kind of things, you kind of use what, you use what's around you, you know? And I feel like the leaves, if there's a lot of artichoke production and you're, you're just taking the hearts of the artichoke all the time for things, the leaves are sort of, the leaves are a byproduct, so they're, a cheap way to infuse things into the into your you know into your liqueur
0: really really interesting it does really go well with the the trees the spiciness and the smokiness yeah.
1: different herbs and spices and uh and roots and things need to be handled at different temperatures and need to be handled for different amount of time so there's different amounts of infusion times that they go in a lot of this stuff ends up you know they do these macerations with these giant like tea bag looking things and big vats and Eventually, all of it gets combined into like one thing, and then strained out. And then they lower the proof down, and then add the you know the caramel coloring back. Things certain things are more volatile in alcohol in solvent like in solvents like alcohol than than others. You don't want to prepare super bitter stuff, uh, especially dried herbs and things, because they'll like they'll break down really fast.
0: So, so. Chinar didn't even. This is a, a newer amaro to the international market. It didn't really come out until like the fifties, right? This yeah, shouldn't...
1: 1952. And they actually, the guy, his name is, uh, Alessandro Del Valle. He was like a industrialist, philanthropist, uh, philanthropist kind of guy over in, near Venice. And he, uh, they, they actually broke through into the Italian drink. Cause you have to understand like these brands, most of these brands Campari bought, like Campari bought these three brands in the last 10 years, uh, but there are thousands of Amaros in all over Italy. It's, and they're all, hy- a lot of them are really hyper-regional. There's not like, it, Italy is like, you know, Italy is a country in a sense, but it's also a lot of regions that kind of loosely agree to tolerate each other. So the drinking culture is so varied in like, it, from, from region to region, it's hard for things to break through as like a nat- you know, Campari is like the overarching, like everyone in Italy drinks Campari. And then it's the biggest Italian brand. It's it's everywhere. Apérol Spritz is everywhere. Uh, but like Chinar actually broke through in the like fifties and sixties because they had these really irreverent kind of like almost like uh, dystopian ad campaigns that were like they're really if you if you ever if you ever want to la- like look up some old Chinar like ad campaigns they're they're really it's like. It's like to escape from the crushing boredom of modern life and things like that. And it's just like a guy. there. It's very like Salvador, Salvador Dali kind of like weirdness.
0: They, they would use famous Italian actors, too, in their commercials and then have they had a long running campaigns where they made very interesting commercials. But going back again, like if in the ancient times, a couple hundred years ago, it wouldn't be that hard if you're traveling through Italy, village to village to be able to try a lot of different uh, Amaros. Like it would be traditional using the local botanicals. That's where the differences come from. And they would try to like, you know, have the best one. Like this one's from our town. We make the best. Everyone, you know, would have their own version of one of these Amaros based on whatever produce and and herbs and such that they could uh, come up with in in their locality. So Braulio. Now this yeah. one was started by Francesco Peroni. Famous for Peroni beer, right? Uh, it, different Peroni? Different is it's a it, different it, guy. It's Pol-
1: it's Poloni. I'm drinking
0: a Peroni right now because I thought I was gonna tie it no, all it's together. Pol-
1: Poloni. Poloni is the yeah, Francesco Peroni. So the family, yeah, if they were if they were from the Peroni family, they would Campari would not own would they would they would have plenty of money on their own. Uh but the Polonis actually are uh they started making Braulio as like a, they own pharmacies in this town in Northern Italy in the Alps called Bormio, And this is like almost at the Swiss border. It's so, it's really far up there, like north of Lake Como and all that stuff. And you know, it's at the border of like, it's where the really, really rugged, beautiful Alpine scenery exists in like in Italy. And it's probably closer culture wise to like Switzerland or Germany or somewhere like that. Um, so these guys, these guys started make their family started making, uh, Braleo in 1875. And it's honestly, this is out of all the, out of all the Amaros and things we have, this is my favorite one. I think it's, it's the most, it's really complex. It's bitter, but has some citrus notes to it. It's 20, it's 21%. So 42%, uh, proof. So it's, it's got a It's a little higher proof than Chinar, but not as high as Averna. But I think it drinks like it drinks like a really interesting, complex, uh, slightly higher proof amaro than it is. Uh, this is from a class of amaros called alpine amaros, generally because they use uh, bittering agents and other types of ingredients in it that are found in the higher alpine reaches. So. Juniper is a big part of this. Yarrow root, lots of gentian, uh, but it's not as I feel like I feel like it has all the things that I like about fernet's, but like without the like without the bitter without the really crazy bitterness or like uh, aloe chamomile kind of uh, burn at the overwhelming yeah burn at the end. It's a very balanced thing, so it's it's. It's actually out of it's, and it's really rare in the Amaro world because it's actually rested in giant oak barrels for two years. So the oh, reason yes. we Slovenian run out.
0: Slovenian oak too, not not French oak, not Spanish oak, yeah. not American oak. Slovenian oak.
1: So these are actually gigantic. Uh, the town of Bormio has all these tunnels under it that were escape tunnels that were built under uh, during World War One. So we actually have all of this stuff resting under the city, and these barrels are probably about this each one is about the size of the campari mural like they're they're enormous they're and so they're not barrels like a winemaking barrel or a whiskey barrel where they're like high tannins and they're charred on the inside they've been using the same barrels over and over and over again for like 40 years they're really they're more to let the ingredients sit with each other and combine and you know oxidize and 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 evolve so like you know, we can make a bottle of Campari and we can make Campari, put it in the bottle, boom, like sell it next day. Uh, Braglio takes a little bit of time. Also why we run out of it basically every year. It's a very small production. Our production is still all in Bormio there. So it's, there's not really a way to expand capacity, but I think it's, it's one of the coolest tomorrow's I've ever tasted. It's definitely my favorite thing out of the Campari, like Italian portfolio um
0: so let's let's smell it and taste it together so So stick your nose in that glass breathe in gently through your mouth and share what kind of experiences you're having here there's no wrong answers cinnamon menthol what'd you say steph yeah spearmint i'm definitely getting the mint right on the top who's been to
1: a wine tasting before most people you know terroir is like a huge word in wine terroir and spirits is hard because, you know, there's distillation, there's all these things that strips the characteristics of the base materials out. But I really think that this has like a bit of terroir, that sense of place of like, when I tell you that it's from the, the Alps and it's from this beautiful like Alpine town, and you smell it and you taste it and you're kind of like, oh yeah. That's like, I get that, you know, I get I get where those, where the tastes that I'm tasting come from. And it's also because it's rested in the barrels, It's got a little bit of like a tannic kind of dry finish to it too that the other ones don't have. Like, it's definitely less syrupy and sweet compared to like, uh, compared to the way their Werner or chinar finishes.
0: Wow. And this is the oldest recipe that we're tasting tonight. So this goes back to the 1820s. Now, what village is that on our little map there? When I say,
1: when I say that Borneo is at the top of Italy, it's, legitimately like uh, almost on the border with like Switzerland and Germany up there. So the people there, uh, it's not, uh, culture wise it's probably closer to those countries than, than to Italy. And they, so, and also like some of the barrels are 500 liters. Some of the barrels are 1500. Like there's no standard size and they've been used so many times that like, it's just, it's, it's really all to like, it's really all to just have a, a vehicle to contain the Amaros and let them like and let them kind of mature. And we actually have a reserve Braglio that's aged for even longer than the two years. That oh, they, right. they only sell in Italy, but it, it uh, if you ever find it, buy it, it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really the big, that's the big difference between, because people see wine, people see barrels and they're like, oh cool, it's like whiskey, you know? And it's, it's not, it's really just a way for the ingredients to like, to basically evolve and sort of like mingle and mix with each other. It melds.
0: So what's happening in the barrel is that air is the barrels breathe. They're organic containers. So there's going to be some oxidation that's occurring. So over long periods of time, it's condensing. It's, it's becoming melded to itself. You know, that contributes not only to the flavors evolving, but also to the texture. So you guys like everyone likes the brolio. Yeah. I really like this one too. It's quite good. Yeah. I was reading today that the Chinar in Switzerland, they like orange juice and Chinar. That's a popular drink. Is Chinar yeah. and orange juice? Chinar
1: Chena- is, uh, is also huge in South America. Uh, I don't, if anybody's ever been to Argentina, all everyone in Argentina drinks is Fernet and Coke uh, all the time. But Chinar is also is like the second favorite Amaro. So we are our seventy is like the higher proof uh, Chinar. It's meant to sort of like be a be a bit of like a Fernet kind of. Uh, Spirit and all those things are huge in South America, um, especially yeah, Chinar and Coke, hot, Chinar Highballs, all that. But Bralio is Bralio is a pretty. Re- I mean, we basically sell all of it every year, all of it that we make, and we're usually sold out by like September of the year. In fact, I don't know if we have any like. I think we just got an emergency shipment to the West Coast for like to, to hold us over for the next like couple months because there's none coming to America till December. Wow. So if you like this and you see it at a liquor store, buy it because it probably won't be around your major liquor store supplier. I mean, so Campari, you can find anywhere, but uh, Braulio is going to be more of like, you know, I always say if you live around here, support barkeeper, they're great. They're in Silver Lake over in Hoover. Any place that has a strong wine program and has spirits we'll, and have has Amaro's usually has some some Braulio. But yeah, Chinar, Campari, especially Campari Aperol, you can find pretty much everywhere now.
0: Well, right on. And now we're going to get into the flagship brand. Yeah. The whole deal that we are able to sip on these other ones is because <laughs> what's in your fourth yeah. glass, which is Campari. So the
1: most famous Amaro in the world. But Campari is its own thing in a lot of ways but you know it's it's probably the aperitivo or amaro that everybody is most familiar with um campari started in this region up here north of milan in novara it's a little town uh near milan uh by a guy named gaspar another uh druggist like person you know an old uh a pharmacist of of sorts and he's creating like a Creating another tonic, uh, one of these health tonic kind of things, and stumbled upon this. And he was uh, that from that region around there is really famous for their vermouths, so like Barolo Chinatos and uh, Torino style vermouths are really big. And so he kind of made something. He wanted to make something that was a counter, like something that could be mixed with with that. Uh, and he eventually moved it. Campari was so successful as a as like a spirit that he moved to Milan and he opened his place on the uh, he opened a, the world famous Campari Cafe on the main square in the middle of Milan. It's still there today. We have a like a a big Campari experience in there. It's the birthplace of the Campari soda uh, and the Negroni and a lot of other classic sort of Italian drinking moments. But this uh, his son Davide Campari. Was kind of the more business-minded uh, one of the bunch, and started Campari, the Campari sort of company that became what, what it is now. Now we're a worldwide spirits company. We own like Sky Vodka, Espelon Tequila, Grand Marnier, Wild Turkey, Appleton Rum. So we're like one of the biggest spirits companies in the world, and it all started from this this guy's uh, this guy's sort of vision, uh, and throughout the early 1900s, he. Uh, Uh, Davide was obsessed with this Italian opera singer who was like uh, who was traveling all over the world and he's sort of like a hopeless romantic and he ended up following her from like country to country Uh, she spurned his advances uh, over and over again but on those trips he ended up going to to South America where Campari is huge Uh, he went to America he went to you know Africa went all over Europe and that's kind of how he was like the original brand ambassador salesman and Ended up uh, ended up spreading this bitter this bitter liqueur all over the world and now you, you know you can find Campari basically basically everywhere and it's sort of like a, a staple of everybody's home bar and it's the it's really the preeminent sort of bitter uh, spirit in
0: the world and the color traditionally I don't know if oh, it, it let's is not anymore talk about the color it Please used to be traditionally anymore. no I can't tell what it was made out of it's a cool of, story. Talk about the color. That's All why. right, I yeah. think it's a cool story. In the eighteen hundreds, this would have been made. This would have been made with with a color. It be carmine, which is made from the cochineal bugs. Yeah. So a dye made from bugs. They're like they're. So a little bit of bug juice in here, guys. It's delicious.
1: So, we had. Right. So this is a big, a big. This is a big sticking point that people come up with a lot about Campari. We switched over to, to red food to red dye uh, non-bug red dye in the mid-2000s uh, basically basically because these beetles are like are, they're very they're like when we say beetles, they're like microscopic almost, but they live in these giant colonies and it takes a lot of beetles to make like the dye and we had some like environmental impact studies done and they were basically like, you're gonna destroy the entire world's like population of these beetles if you keep making Campari at the growth rate. Because, you know, for here's the thing, Campari was like a, an Italian thing, it was enjoyed in in Italy, and it was enjoyed by old people here in the U.S. Uh, up in the 70s and 80s. And it was not something that everybody was reaching for, you know, we were like a 40, 50,000 case brand in the late 90s, uh, if that. Like. And it was not so. And then, you know, the late '90s, early 2000s, the kind of craft cocktail, craft bartending um, boom happened. This sort of revolution in drinking happened, and all of a sudden, you know, now we're probably approaching like 500,000 cases or something like that. So we, you know, we, so the the amount of these beetles we would have need to use would have been astronomical. It would have been good for the environment there's still people who are like, oh, like I don't trust, you know, uh, Campari was better when it had the natural dye and this and that, and like, I, I, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinions and their tastes, but I don't, I, I guarantee you if you blind tasted both of them, like, and they were same, same AVV and everything, you wouldn't know the difference. So that's really, it was more of a re- responsibility, like an environmental responsibility thing that we had to change from the dye and yeah.
0: Interesting. That's a cool story though. I like, I like. And so this one is the lowest proof, but the most intensely bitter uh, no, it's of the mid, Amaro's.
1: It's, 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 mid, it's, it's 24% oh, okay. and it, it actually varies in some countries have different, just based on like, if it's funny, if you see global, like kind of global spirits, there's like different proofs of different things in different countries because of like tax law, because alcohol is like that is, is actually taxed differently uh, based on its proof. So, there's a few countries, like in the, in the Scandinavian countries, Campari is a little higher ABV. Jamaica, it's 28%. Um, a few other differences, but yeah, U.S. US Campari is 24%, uh, 48 proof. Um, so, it's, it's in the middle of uh, Braulio and uh, Averna uh, proof-wise, but it's the most, I think it's the most bitter thing that you're tasting today.
0: And then What's, also, this is where the tradition of bitters come from too. The Amaro's. Now we have things like uh, Angostura bitters and things <laughs> like that. We use in our drinks, and those are descendants of this family, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, there, we're not. I mean, we're not the only red aperitivo. As there's a lot of other companies that, that you know make these style of drinks. But you know, everything. All at the end of the day, all of this comes out of the tradi- of just this tradition of like using all these different bittering agents and things to make medicinal tonics. And, you know, eventually people realize that they taste good and they're good to drink. And so now you have this and, you know,
0: let's drink some of it. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm getting grapefruit, orange. What are you guys getting on the Campari there?
1: What, what, what you you drink, I oh, I mean the, uh, so, uh, This gentleman had a good question. What do you mix with, what do you mix with Campari? Well, just so happens that most famous cocktail, the second most famous cocktail in the world right now by some spirits magazine that I don't remember. Uh, It's the old fashioned and then the Negroni. The Negroni is uh, one part gin, one part sweet vermouth, one part Campari, iconic cocktail. You can find it all over the world. It's bitter, it's strong, it's delicious. Uh, you're also you're gonna find uh, Campari sodas, Campari Campari and soda is a great cocktail. The Americano is a Campari and soda riff, which is sweet vermouth and Campari and soda. Um, any number, I mean, Campari. If you go to any modern bar, like modern bar with cocktails, you're gonna find Campari. You probably find it on the drinks menu. You know, it it, it it's bitter. It's a it's bitter, but it plays well with basically every spirits, you know, rum Negronis are great. Boulevardier is a, is a Negroni with whiskey. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Goes, and you can, you can play around Reserve, with them that you're uh, and Wild Turkey. <laughs> you can play around with these as substitutes for vermouths, you know, because they have a lot of intensity. They have a ton of complexity. So they're fun to experiment with. It's really great stuff. Yeah.
1: I mean, really the orange is like the bitter orange is like the star here. That's what you're getting. You're getting bitter orange. You're getting very little sweetness in there. It's, I mean, I don't mind Campari straight. Some people, some people hate this, but uh, as like a, some people hate it as like a straight, would l- love it in drinks, but they need some dilution and they need some mixing. Uh, I I always, I always like a, a shot of uh, half and half uh, Campari and Chinar as like a, as like a little, a little yeah. shot in a beer kind of combo. You Campari know
0: what soda you can drink for breakfast. It's like I've seen people in True. Italy having it with brunch. No problem. Yeah.
1: I oh, also yeah. Oh, yeah. also, if you guys are beer people, any kind of Radler beer, like the like really light fruit be- or really light fruit beers, a Hefeweizen, throw a shot of Campari on top of it. It's awesome. I, I buy those Siegel Radlers and I drink like a sip or two out of the can and then throw a shot of Campari in there. The really great low ABV, bitter cocktail. It's great for when you feel, uh, like, you know, it, it stimulates your appetite. I, I like, it. it's supposed to be a before meal, like as our handy wheel says, uh, here, it's like a daytime or before meal kind of consumption, uh, item, but I actually like it after dinner too.
0: Well, we hope that we inspired some of your appetites tonight. And so you can step into this Valentine's day evening and, uh, Chase those appetites, yeah. as we do. Thank you so much, Colin, for yeah. coming out tonight. Let's like to give it thank up, for Mr. Colin Miller. I
1: thank thank you guys for listening. There's a lot of information. You know, I'll stick around for a second if anybody wants to wants to rap about anything. You know, this there's a lot of you can go really deep and nerdy into this kind of stuff. But you, it's also at the end of the day, like it's it's all just getting your palate used to tasting this kind of stuff. Like bitterness is that. I, I definitely did not start out drinking this kind of stuff, but bitterness is really an acquired uh, taste. Uh, it's it is it is not something you are innately born with. You you like you learn you learn appreciation for bitter stuff the more you drink it. So Campari is really one of those things. Campari especially, like you need to try it two times, and you'll know if you like it or not. Like the first time you might be like, "Blah, this is too much," but then it's second third time that's sort of when your your palate adjusts to it and you're like you're you're used to it you're you're ready for the hit of bitterness and then you can get past that and go to all the other parts of it so i don't know amaro's are really fascinating there's a whole world of cool stuff out there
0: thank you for listening to the podcast if you like what you heard please head over to apple podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review the Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show was produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide Soc. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more.